This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 96, Joanne Eady on Discovering Hypnosis. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. How was it that you first discovered hypnosis? You know, it's really interesting is that there's so many of us that it was some kind of experience where we went through some sort of change process and hypnosis was a part of that. That's a theme that's popped up several times here in this series. And you're about to interact with Joanne Eady out of Canada. And that's very much her story of working with a practitioner, specifically first with EFT and by way of learning that, then discovering hypnosis and then now putting it all together. And it's how we're going to hit on some great themes inside of this conversation, whether it's being in the moment with your client, how to experience the process with them, how to tap into that imaginative, creative mind of your own and let the process work itself rather than having to consciously, logically muscle your way through it. And what are those elements that need to be in place for the client to sufficiently feel the hypnotic experience, have the expectations, and then just really go through the experience and achieve the desired result. You know, it's where inside of this Work Smart Hypnosis podcast series, it's all about capturing these conversations of just two people talking about what they do. How do you approach hypnosis? What do you want that client's experience to be? And it's how, as we talk about other hypnosis conventions, she mentions the NGH convention, she mentions her own Canadian Hypnosis Conference, which is coming up in October 2017, and proud to announce I've uh, been invited to be a featured speaker at that event as well. But again, this experience of rubbing shoulders with people whose names you already know, to, to use one of my favorite pieces of phrasing, to get the experience of what it's like to train with somebody before you train with that person, or the experience of continuing a conversation that you've already been having with that individual, yet the difference is now you're there live. As wonderful as the online interaction can be, how much wonderful it also is to be there for that hands-on practice, for that in-the-room demonstration experience, and the hands-on learning as well. So let's jump right in. This is session number 96, Joanne Eady on Discovering Hypnosis. Well, I, w I started with emotional freedom technique. I had a, actually, I had a terrible argument with my husband. I've been married 51 years now. This is way back when, and uh, we just had this bad argument, and three weeks later, I was still mad. <laughs> so I, I looked up some different things, and I actually went for a personal session of emotional freedom technique. And I walked out of there, oh my gosh, I just couldn't believe it. So I learned that and I, um, you know, took more levels and read it and did all sorts of things. And then pretty soon I was seeing clients. Now, it, it just seems like that all happened. But going back, my entire life, people have told me secrets. It, they just, uh, They'll come out with very personal stuff. And when I was young, I didn't even know what to do with some of the information they would tell me, you know. But um, so, you know, it uh, wasn't surprising that after raising five kids, I 
you know, was looking for what what's the next step in my life. And it just sort of all unfolded that way. So I thought I would always be a diehard EFTer and um, it, it just was such a wonderful technique. And then I, I saw Marilyn Gordon, uh, a hypnotist from California, who mixed the two together. And oh, it was just like magic. So um, I ended up taking my hypnosis from Georgina Cannon in Canada. And uh, then I just kept going on, you know, with levels of hypnosis. I always thought, though, that EFT would always be the number one. But Somewhere along the line, that flipped. (laughs) So, you know, and hypnosis, it just, the magic of hypnosis is, uh, it's no wonder it took over. I love it. I love it. There's an, uh, yeah, there's an interesting side note inside of that, that, uh, you know, inside of hypnosis training, sometimes we'd get onto the discussion of whether or not you can get somebody to tell secrets in hypnosis or not. And my response is kind of a clever one that, well, we could argue back and forth of all these hypotheticals, but it really gets down to it. In my experience, people just kind of walk into the session and tell you their things right away. The number of times mm-hmm. over the years where they walk in and say, hey, I don't know if this is going to be helpful, but, and now they're launching into a story that you might be one of few people that have heard before. Uh, what would you say, you know, if we had to, not to say the intention is to teach the brand new hypnotist how to get the client to open up, yet if you had to unpack that experience, what would you say is it about even just you and your personality that, that, that's that been a tendency inside of it? Well, I don't know why that happened from from childhood and whatnot, but I do know that when I began to practice with hypnosis, etc., um, I believe the hypnotist goes into trance, and I think a lot of hypnotists believe that. And um, I think our gifts open up. I think whatever we're good at, I think it just expands that as well. And I I remember one session that I was doing where um, I asked them to describe uh, something, and I already could see it. In my mind's eye, I just already could see it. And then it was a past life regression and, and I was asking them to explain what was on their feet and what they were wearing, et cetera. And, and I could picture it all. And it was absolutely what I saw. It was what they answered. So I, you know, and I kind of wondered about that and, and I think it just, your intuitive gifts open up as you work with people. If you just listen, it happens. Absolutely. I always say I have a little group of angels who who put things into my mind. <laughs> and they're very, very accurate because I always check, you know, I always say, you know, I'm kind of getting the impression that dot, 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 dot. And, and I'll say, is that, you know, you can, you can tell me if that's not so. It won't hurt my feelings. And they always go, no, that's that's exactly it. And so I've even had one client ask me if I could read her mind. <laughs> I said, sure that I couldn't. I said, it just, and, it, and it's funny because that mostly happens when I work. It's not like I walk around getting impressions off people that, that uh, um, personal, just in real life. No, you're right about that experience of that we as the hypnotist are going into that hypnotic state along with the client. And the experience, uh, the way that I'd phrase it is it goes back to that presupposition that you go first, 
that you're going into that state along with them and by doing so, bringing them along for the ride. And it's how if you're in that analytical mindset about which technique do I use, when, where, and why, you're kind of outside of the process as opposed to you're enjoying that ride along with them. Absolutely. If you allow that work, I always say the work is coming through me, not by And if you will allow that work to come through you, it will lead you exactly where you need to go. So then, you know, where some would say, I love your phrasing about having, you know, this guidance throughout the session, we could also look at someone like a a writer such as Malcolm Gladwell, who would say that it's the, you know, the 10,000 hours of experience leading into that opportunity of that moment. What, as somebody who trains hypnosis, how would you work with that new student of hypnosis or even new student of EFT to get into that mindset, to get into that experience with the client as well? Right. When, I'm, when I teach hypnosis, uh, I have a very spiritual class where we, I tell them the first day, you will not be the same person when you graduate. And they kind of look at me funny, you know, and unless they have already begun to discover some of these other techniques and things. But um, I will pick up as we go along and um, just like a client, I will open up my students. So, you know, lots of times I make them cry and (laughs) just like my clients, you know, um, and, and they're a little bit embarrassed sometimes, but I just say, no, no, this is good. You know, we we want you to be the best hypnotist you can be and you want to be able to open your gifts. So you got to get your stuff out of the way and everybody's got stuff. And and I tell that to clients. I go, I got stuff. You got stuff. Everybody's got stuff. And that makes them feel as if their problems don't make them seem to be, uh, you know, out of the ordinary. And it's the same thing with a hypnosis student. And so my hypnosis students grow um, in that 10 days. Uh, they can't believe it, um, some of the things that, that they're doing. And I remember in the last class, I had a fellow who kept saying to me, I just want to learn to help people lose weight and stop smoking. I don't want to really do all this other stuff. <laughs> and and I guess he went home and was complaining to his wife a little bit and um she said, you know, she gave him a really good analogy on why he should just go along with everything. He was there for a reason. And all this was unfolding exactly the way it should be. And so he came back with a and told us and, and had such a different attitude the next day. And then he began to open up. And I think if you can just allow that, that the universe will just carry you along. There's briefly a story of I get a phone call and it's perhaps I I put this in the category of one of the most condescending things that someone's ever said to me on an initial phone call where she goes, I'm on your website and I see you work with these people for these, quote, silly little habits like weight loss and quitting smoking. And her next phrase is, I have real issues. How do I know you're qualified to help me? And there's the kickoff to a great conversation. <laughs> and it's where my my response was basically, well, respectfully, the reason I see results with these people with these, quote, silly little habits is that it doesn't have much to do with that silly little habit. It's all about those deeper issues that are driving exactly. that behavior. 
And so it's how to to compartmentalize so much of what we do of that's a stop smoking thing. That's a weight loss thing when really that's an everything thing. Yes. That you've got to work on the individual. Absolutely. And and when I started, you know, practicing hypnosis, why I thought the EFT would always be in the foreground more than hypnosis was because I had already been working with people on their emotional issues. And so I, I was I was a little bit of that uh, snob too, saying I don't really want to do weight and smoking. I I I've already been working with with you know sexual abuse and childhood issues and and all these things, and that's what I want to do. But guess what? You when you're working with weight and smoking, that's exactly what it leads back to a lot of the times. Or if it doesn't, if they do just want to quit smoking, then they want to come after to get rid of all their other stuff. Or there's so many experiences, too, where they, they get the result in that one thing. And now there's, I call them the, the positive side effects yeah. of, you know, here's a woman I worked with a while ago that she comes in, I think it's our third appointment and her line is, yeah, the scale says I'm down another five pounds, but I have been so productive this week. Let's do more of that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, we'll take that as a side effect as opposed to increased itching and no, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, for someone who didn't want to work with weight, I, I now it's, it's the bulk of my practice, weight and smoking. I love Mm -hmm. it, love it, love it. And, uh, I think it, Maybe when you say you don't want to work with it, you're you're sort of feeling a little bit insecure that you really don't know whether you can get the results you want. I and, think you're absolutely right on that. Mm-hmm. So once you take some training and that, you know, uh, I still go to many, many conventions, conferences, every, every one there is almost. And the reason I do is because you never stop learning. And you, when I go to all... There's a lot of classes I sit in on that I'm just hearing a repeat, which is a good thing. But then I always seem to pick up a little nugget that I didn't know before. And I go, oh, my gosh, that's gold. I'm using that. Or a new way of phrasing something or, uh, you know, just even a a flip on an old induction uh, or you know, I just, um, I think that your training never ends. It's that experience of, again, uh, I think Ron Esslinger, when he was on here, the comment was going to conventions to remind myself how much I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right about that experience where we can look at, you know, here could be an entire three or four day training. Here could be an entire three day convention and we go out for the pre, we go out for the post and we're in town for a full week, yet the value that just one simple nugget, one simple piece of knowledge inside of the session can just really pay off and suddenly make everything so much better. Mm-hmm. That I'm, I, I, share, I share an example. I'm highly critical of when we take something like the Dave Elman induction, and the more that I sand it back down to the original, the more it works for me. And suddenly, here's a student who chimed in with two extra words where you've done the floppy arm drop, and here's the moment of where you would typically say, we now have all the physical relaxation we need. We can help you to relax mentally. And he goes, well, how do you know? What if you said we have all the physical relaxation we're going to need for now? 
And I heard that and went, oh my God, I'm putting that in the content right away. I'm using that tomorrow. <laughs> because it's just that little bit of a nuance that suddenly, well, that widens that reach of that session of that technique to make it now even more effective. Right. And I have a talk that I do at, at a lot of different conventions. Uh, there, I have 21 different deepeners. And um, I usually do a demo where I bring someone up. I ask for someone who thinks that they're very difficult to hypnotize. Now, these are hypnotists, but, but they, they know themselves that they don't go very deep into hypnosis. So those are the ones I want. So usually someone volunteers and up they come. And, and I just do deepener after deepener after deepener after deepener. Yeah. <laughs> but I start with Dr. Flowers, which is what we learned in our basic, right? Right, right. And I remember when I took my my certified instructor course that, of course, we went back to, uh, you know, Dr. Flowers and, and knowing that we needed to teach that to our students. And I had, you know, gone on to other inductions. And as I studied it again, I went, why did I ever stop using this? This is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it works with 95% of the people. And and so when I did this deepener class, I, I used Dr. Flowers because it, it works on almost everybody. And uh, there's very few people that can resist Dr. Flowers. <laughs> and uh, so then someone said to me, I've never heard that induction before. Uh, where did you get that? And they weren't NGH trained. So, um, you know, I started doing a talk on why Dr. Flowers. And you can you can do a whole talk and a demo just on uh, uh, why you should use that induction and not forget about it. Which brings back one of my favorite phrases that one of the best ways to hide something is to publish it. <laughs> Let, let's go into that moment though that uh and that's something i run into at a lot of meetups at a lot of conventions the hypnotist who is holding on to the idea that they're hard to hypnotize that they don't go deep w what's your opinion on that well we go back to the phrase we learned everybody can be hypnotized who wants to be and that is the whole purpose of that deepener class is that that someone who who thinks that they can't go very deeply just hasn't been hasn't had someone use a lot of deepeners on them to get them to that state because they, each and every time I've done that talk um, that person has has gone very 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 deep into hypnosis and they they just uh, loved the experience and everything every convincer that I built in works like I'll, I'll tell them that you know you, when you when you emerge you'll you'll see that I have a red pen and you're going to ask me if you can have it so when they come out I'm I'm not sticking the pen in their face or anything it's it's just sitting in my hand and I'm they're really telling their story and then all of a sudden they'll say can I have that pen so you know that just proves to the the people watching the demo that that um, they they actually did achieve what they're talking about. So your take on that, just to unpack that, it comes back to the technique. Uh, does it also come back to the expectation of the practitioner as well when they're saying, "I don't go well into hypnosis. I don't go deep into hypnosis." I I I'm as puzzled as you as to. Uh, well, I'm not in some ways. I remember doing a class on the um, a two day class on the virtual gastric band. And um, so 
it doesn't matter what I'm teaching. I always put everybody into hypnosis at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you know, to, to just reinforce and, um, you know, um, give them a little treat because as hypnotists, often we're always the one hypnotizing. And as hypnotists, we're all hypno junkies, aren't we? We into hypnosis. So I always put them in hypnosis. I had four people in that class who said, Oh my gosh, Joanne, I just love that. I've, I've never been hypnotized. I go, well, how did you take your training? And they went online. They took their whole training online. And so they were never hypnotized. It's getting that actual experience. It's where as much as, you know, even as much as I do online these days, it's getting that actual in the room, in the experience feedback that uh, you've probably had the same experience that you're in the middle of a course and here's someone who maybe has already had some experience, some training, and now they're commenting, oh, wow, I actually felt hypnotized in that moment. Yes. Yeah. So let's bring it back to working with our clients. What types of strategies, what types of approach are you bringing into your process to make sure that client is having that experience with you? I'm ever vigilant that they're deep enough that I can have the work be really, really effective. Yes. And and we know that we they come in and out. They go up and down. It's just, you know, that line goes up and down. And you just have to be really vigilant in watching your client and you can see exactly when they start coming up a little bit and going back down a little bit. And mm -hmm. so if you feel that, you know, at some point there, they're up just a little bit farther than you want them to be because you know what you're going to do next. Then I just throw a deepener in, in the middle. There are some that are just very, very simple to, um, you know, it's a matter of just when you, uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to open your eyes and look at my hand. And as my fingers close down, your eyes get droopy, drowsy, and heavy, and you sink even deeper. It can be as simple as that, you know, just the machination mm -hmm. of opening and closing your eyes. You can do that two or three times just to take them back down so you can continue on the work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go through the client experience. Someone comes into your office. How does that play out in your world of things? Um, so, for instance, a smoker. I, I had a smoker call just before you did, and she wants to come, and uh, she just bought a new car. This is so cute. She just bought a new car and she wants to come quit smoking before she smokes in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've had that before. I had a period of time where I was even considering, it was like, do I recommend they get a new car or do I just point them to something like Groupon and say, get your car detailed? <laughs> <laughs> um, so they, I asked them to bring a craving because then I use a bit of NLP on them to show them how they can. I use the spinning technique and yeah. so they come in really wanting a cigarette and within a minute and a half – they they're looking for the craving They're you know, they will I'll say, well, where's your craving now? And they'll look around the room as if it's in the corner or something. But um, so that's what I do first with them uh, that uh, if you can wow and amaze them in the first minute and a half, I think the rest is pretty easy. Yeah. I, the, the rapport thing is very important and I don't want to hear a lot of, what they're coming for on the phone, if if that's how we begin, um, because I my head gets into it. I want mm -hmm. the first impression, yeah, and the 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 things that I hear in their explanation to be in the actual center. 
So, um, but if they do want to talk on the phone, of course, we do what the client wants. So we listen. And I learned mm-hmm. that from jo- Georgina Cannon, because I, I can remember, I, I just don't know what it was about. But I, you know, saying to her, well, yes, but why wouldn't I do this? And she go, because that's not what the client wants. Yeah. <laughs> so um, then I, um, we do the, you know, the intake and the things like that. Um, and then um, I say, so what have you come to see me for? And then from then on, I think I'm in starting to go in trance mm-hmm. and, and listening. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm naturally curious and naturally chatty. But with a client, you want them to, to talk. But I am naturally curious. So while they're talking, I have questions all the time, you know, what, about what they've just told me. So I go a little deeper there. So then um, we do the hypnosis and then I um, we talk about it some more. If Sometimes I'll use EFT. I'll ask them, um, you know, either before or after. If they're nervous about the hypnosis, we might do a bit of EFT. And if they haven't done it before, Jason, they, once again, it wow and amazes them. Mm-hmm. But it also conditions them. So, and I always have music playing when they come in. I use a, a hypnotist from Texas. Her name is Marcy Ham, H A M M, and um, she had uh, her story is that she has died six times, and each time she has, or and she's been resuscitated, and each time she has, she's heard music, and she comes back and writes an album. So the the one out al- the the album I always use on the first visit with a client is called Inward Harmony, and her albums have properties in the music. Now I can't use them when I um, um, record a, a a recording for for the client because they're copyrighted, but mm-hmm. they're but she allows you to use them in the clinic, and so the music is already working on my client. You can, uh, the stories behind this inward harmony are um, that, you know, you can play the music out the window, like just softly in your house, but put your player by the, the window and, and disagreeable neighbors will either move or, <laughs> or they'll be nice. You know, not, I mean, those are testimonials that she has, but um, I know that I play that when I teach hypnosis too, because the first couple of days, the, the um, students are apprehensive about all they're going to learn. And, uh, you know, it looks like a daunting task. And, mm-hmm. you know, 10 days we're going to be doing this. And oh, how am I going to remember it all? And things like that. So I play inward harmony. And then I move on uh, with um, when I'm teaching, I move on to um, breaking through blocks and fears, which is another album of hers. And, um, and so that once again, that starts to dismantle the, the, um, the stuff that, um, either clients or, or, uh, students have, and, uh, I'll use anything that'll help me along. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have no shame. It all works. No, I love that because again, to, to break it down, it's just simply getting into setting the expectation for the client, setting the environment to be the most successful. Absolutely. 
it's how one of the simplest things that I've done, you know, in the space that I'm at, I my classroom is here in my office. And the, the all the videos that are online of me in a classroom with these papers up on the walls, that's what it looks like at all times, yes. um, which was an accident because there was one – the very first class I taught in this space – you know, here came the next class and I took all the papers down and the room was the ugliest room and emptiest uh, vacuum possible. <laughs> so so now it's the game of they just stay up and I just keep putting new ones on top of it. But again, it's that this is the place where this happens, the way that I do this. I know some also do this as well, having the the ceremonial jar where people throw out their cigarettes that it becomes something that they see. And it's just that reminder that, oh yeah, this is a place where this happens. Yes. What I do with smokers, as I said, I have no shame. Anything that will convince them I'll use. I am a dowser and everybody, some people say, oh, what's a dowser? Well, everybody knows what a dowser, you just don't remember that, you know, a um, mm-hmm. hundred years ago, a dowser would break a, a Y branch off a tree and walk along. And when that branch bent down to the ground, that was where they dug a well. And um, so um, modern day dowsers, we don't, uh, I, although I doused the well on our property here, that's not an everyday occurrence. But what dowsing does is it's just a, a when you hold a pendulum or, or these dowsing rods, it's just an outward visual of what you already know inside. It just it's a way to show you. So muscle testing is kind of dowsing. So mm-hmm. muscle testing's the same thing. So when when this when we're done with the uh, hypnosis for cigarette um stop smoking, um, I then have them hold their cigarettes and I douse their energy. And then I douse their energy when they put the cigarettes down. And it, there's, it's the same with muscle testing. If you muscle test somebody holding a pack of cigarettes, they can't hold their arm up. It goes weak. So you just show them how they're harming their body just with a simple exercise. What's interesting about that is that it's this combination of, again, we come back to the phrase, as Melissa Tears would put it, of integrative hypnosis, of combining all the tools necessary. Yes. And I love the mindset of, I'm going to go into this process and use everything I possibly know to help you get to that result. (laughs) It's all appropriate. (laughs) And uh, I think that's the most impressive thing for them when when they're ready to leave and you've built in all the conditioner uh, convincers and things. I remember a smoker I had and he said uh, he showed up and he had his, his 11 year old son with him. He said, I'm sorry. I, at the last minute I, uh, I had to bring my son. Oh, no problem. I said, he can either play outside or he can, I can, he can go upstairs and watch TV or, you know, I gave him some, no, no, he just wanted to sit there and he wanted to watch. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and here, you know, we can, you know, hook a child who's 11 on hypnosis. How many hypnotists in their life story has said, you know, I saw a hypnotist when I was a teenager and I got hooked on it or whatever. So he's watching the session. Of course, I, I use the uh, color red. Uh, as a convincer at the end, you know, every time you see the color, this week or for as long as you'd like, every time you see the color red, 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 red. And uh, so his father come, and I also uh, 
use uh, the water. And I, I have one of yours, Jason, uh, about the water. Um, you know how the mouth is dry and the tongue is dry. and Yeah, yeah. Because we want the smokers to drink more water just, as well as people who are losing weight. So I did both of those, and uh, so her his father comes out of hypnosis, and I put their feet up. I have a lovely, I call it the big comfy hypnosis chair, and I put it uh, put the feet down, and and I just say just stay there to ground yourself and and uh, orient yourself, let yourself get back in your body, and and uh, <clears throat> so we're just chatting, and then he says, well, um, what is that red thing on the wall? Well, his son just <laughs> burst out laughing. And and uh, then there was something else. He, um, oh, he, wanted, he asked for some water. And, and this both happened while we were just chit-chatting about the uh, um, session. Also, too, I always, always ask time distortion. I never not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how long do you think you were in hypnosis? <clears throat> and, of course, um, most of the time, they think 15 or 20 minutes, and it's been 40 or or 45 or whatever. You know, but the odd person says, oh, 40, 40 minutes. And and exactly, you know, you, you just then just agree with them. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is a great convincer when they get the time distortion. And once again, his father had the time distortion, and the son was just amazed. So I think we'll probably have a future hypnotist there. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so in this journey where you first came into the EFT, you then added on the hypnosis, uh, at what point in the journey did the did the trainings start to creep in? I think, well, Georgina Cannon, my original hypnosis teacher, uh, always, she offers many workshops past your basic. And then um, she also teaches a CI course and she teaches a master course. And, you know, so I I was constantly taking workshops and she would bring people up into Toronto and, you know, email us. And and so I started just in, I'm about an hour from Toronto. So I started the workshops that way. And then, of course, um, the NGH convention because I was trained in NGH. So I started going to that convention and then um, moved on from there. So um, I began uh, the Canadian hypnosis convention because I realized most of my training had been um, after, you know, a while I started traveling into the States to get more. I took Cal Banyan's class. I, um, uh, Oh, I just can't think of all the times I traveled to the States yes. to, <laughs> to do workshops, weekend workshops. I'm jumping well. ahead of you because there's a story of like five, six years ago that I started a hypnosis meetup group. Uh, why? Because all the other ones were great. I just didn't want to drive there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I, I thought, well, you know, I'm always going out of Southern Ontario. Maybe there's a need here for hypnotists in Southern Ontario. So I began the Canadian Hypnosis Conference, and uh, it's held annually in October. So we are very blessed this year to have a featured speaker called Jason Lynette. Haven't heard of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> we um, have a couple of featured speakers come in, and because uh, I can't, I, I that's my fault. I can't decide on a keynote. No, I, I just like to... Um, have have a couple of speakers that that um, people in Southern Ontario can get to know, um, 
on on that weekend. Outstanding. How many years have you been running that so far? Well, this will be we're going into our fifth year. In October, it'll be our uh, it'll be five years. So it hasn't grown um, huge yet, but it's on its way. And it, all the ingredients are there, and everybody has a wonderful time. So there, that takes us to why we go to um, um, conferences and conventions. It is why can't we just do it all online and not drive? There's something about that. Um, I guess you and I talked about that the the conversation in the hall. Yes. You know, where you or you just gravitate towards someone and you end up having lunch together or having a drink together in the bar after a long day or you end up in the same classes or whatever. And then you just start conversations and 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 it's just like we've been talking. What do you do with this or how did you get started in hypnosis or where's your practice? And it is there is something about that because. I don't know about your wife, Jason, but my husband, his eyes glaze over when I start talking hypnosis. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, to quote Scott Sandlin, I think that's also a part of the reason why our relationship is going well. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, and, and yes, they listen politely. Like, I mean, you know, the, not that you, you know, talk about your clients or anything, but, you know, you might say, oh, I've just found this new technique and it. You know, they don't want to hear all the little ins and outs, but another hypnotist does. Right. And that's the reason we want to do the networking and come together and um, experience it together. Well, I, I'd share one of the first experiences I had going to nearly any convention was that experience that there were people who I was going out of my way to go, oh, he's going to be there. She's going to be there. I got to meet this person. I want to interact with them in person. And to get that nuance of that training, whether it was sitting in a workshop or the conversation at the side of the bar or somewhere in the hallway, uh, but at the same time, the, the number of times where uh, suddenly I was sitting next to this person at a workshop and it was that nice reminder that, oh, they're here to learn too. They're here on this journey as well. And I always go back to the metaphor of think of your favorite singer, your favorite actor, and compare you know, the first thing that they ever did to what they're doing now. And to see that journey, to see that arc of how they've morphed over the years, uh, where you know, I've uh, with the live classes that I do here at my office in Virginia – one of the easiest little bonuses is the fact that previous students can sit in on future courses when they're here. And to have that student go, that's not how you taught it three years ago. And to be able to respond, <laughs> I know, right? Isn't this better? Right. <laughs> it's not the crap you paid for four. No. <laughs> yeah. Ever evolving. Ever evolving. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you're absolutely right. Even scripts, you know, um, you you think you've edited them to death and that they're exactly the way you want them. And then you hear a new phrase and you want to insert that or, you know, um, I met another hypnotist who uh, had written a book on all positive wording. And so as a, then as I read her book and started looking at my scripts, I saw all the ways things were being said negatively where I'd mm. never seen that before. So editing again. So everything is, is evolving all the time. And, you know, you have to keep learning and moving as a hypnotist. And I, I love teaching. I love that moment, 
that aha moment when they get it, like you're, you're teaching in it, they're learning each part and they know how it all goes together, but they just don't feel it yet. Or they don't, they can't grasp how they can ever remember how it all goes together. And then it all clicks and you get that aha moment where they get it. And it, it, there's just nothing like it. Is there, Jason? You teach as well. Yeah, absolutely. And especially that moment where they have, as I like to say, they have all of the components, yet the question is, how do I mix this all together? How do I put this together? And it's how, you know, I flash to people like the first time I saw Kevin Cole speak, who's been on here before, where I, I've now characterized the Kevin Cole talk at the convention as okay, enough talking, let's do a demo. And <laughs> and you have that experience of actually watching this action put together, seeing it all the way that in your in your seminar on deepeners, the let's just do this, let's get somebody up and let's actually experience this together. Mm-hmm. Always better to show than, than it is just to tell. Right. And you you assume that everybody got great, great training. And there are some hypnotists out there that uh, you know, they might have taken, a, an, as I said before, an online course or a shorter course. There's some people that teach it in five days. I can't imagine how that happens because, um, well, I, I and I bring in um, real live people for them to work on. So that takes up a lot of time as well. But I want them leaving knowing they could apply for a job the next day. I don't want them leaving going, okay, well, I've got the basic now. I passed my test. Now I, I've got to take more courses in order to open my office. I want them feeling as if they could go work for somebody or open their own business um, the day after they leave. So then what are those components that you feel are the most necessary in a training to get someone to that level? We do a review every night and um, then – as I said, I bring in live clients for each each person in my class has three live clients. So the first time they kind of stumble through it and the second time it gets easier and the third time they got the biggest smile on their face, you know, but they're also watching everybody else do three people. So they're absorbing visually, they're absorbing auditorially and, and um, kinesthetically when they do it. So um, I think it's practice, practice, practice. But now I like because I already had clients with EFT, I graduated Sunday and I had a hypnosis client Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Like I just jumped right in. But I've done that with other courses too. anything I learn. I jump right in and try it out. We, we tend to think we have to have it memorized perfectly or or know it perfectly, or I haven't worked to practice more. But the client doesn't really know what the the technique is supposed to look like. So if you happen to leave out one sentence you should have said, <laughs> I, the client is not going to know that. And then the next time you go, okay, I left that out last time, I make sure I put that in. <laughs> yeah, I think of the number of times, uh, I'm going to count from five to one, five, here are some wonderful suggestions, four, here are some outstanding ones, three, it reminds me of a story, and it's like the next day <laughs> I'm going, I forgot two and one. <laughs> I think it's actually a name you already referenced, Cal Banyan, who had the great line about, uh, it's not brain surgery, you can forget a few tools in their head and they're going to be okay. 
Right. Which is right. a nice little confidence builder. Uh, Joanne, this has been outstanding. Where can people find you online? Uh, right now, I'm www.poweroffreedom.ca. But I'm in the process of building a brand new website. Uh, it'll be called Hypnosis Thrive and Grow. And the reason that's happening is because I'm working with a, a coach that um, feels the hypnosis co- conference and my business should be more integrated. And and it, the reason it's not integrated is is because I had my business first and then along came the conference. So you can easily see why that's so separate. Also, to power of freedom, that was all to do with EFT, with emotional freedom. You have personal power. So I wanted my new one to have the word hypnosis in there and to reflect that I am a hypnotist, first and foremost. Outstanding. Where can people find about, uh, for now, the Canadian Hypnosis Conference? Sure. Just www.canadianhypnosisconference.com or .ca. Outstanding. And actually, I I cheated. I just hopped over there now. Uh, We're recording here. It's January 2017. I see you've also still got your call to speakers out as well. Yes. So, um, you know, for any convention, if you're wondering how to become a speaker and and, you know, because we're a small conference, Jason, I have been able to take all the speakers that have, that have applied from from local, you know, southern Ontario, and they have gotten a speaking chance that maybe they wouldn't have gotten um, at a big conference or convention. And they've been able to get their feet wet. And uh, so if you if you like to speak and you've done some, you know, speaking maybe in your um, neighborhood or where you live, you know, to build your business, you might want to start speaking at a conference uh, and, and sharing your knowledge. And don't be afraid to uh, get your feet wet. It's uh, it's fun and um, y- you can do it. I'd share an insight on that, that there's a, there's a quote that I absolutely love uh, from Lauren Michaels from Saturday Night Live, who Lauren, I believe, is Canadian. So there's a, there's a nod there. Uh, <laughs> and the, the story goes, whether we're ready or not, the show goes live at 1130. And oh, I've always loved that as a premise where, I mean, that's the story of any time I turn on the whole machine and I run a webinar and it's whether it's just me or whether it's other people, whether it's here's a new offering I want to put out there. There's always the opportunity that you have to do it first in order to have done it. And there's an experience of training that I've done. And and the ethical pitch to this is that it's not the I'm going to position myself as an expert on something I don't understand. Yet it was I'm going to challenge myself to take something that I've struggled with and then turn it into an expertise. So as comfortable, and I tell a brief story on this, as comfortable as I've felt with NLP language patterns and some of the patterns of change, it's where I could run a client through a swish pattern and we could get some movement, yet to do it on myself, it just didn't make sense. It just wasn't a fit for me. And I kept dismissing the technique going, yeah, but that doesn't work on me. So... At my local meetup, I announced with a good three-month lead on it, okay, it's January. Um, The event in March is going to be an in-depth workshop on the uh, NLP pattern called the Swish, and I'm going to teach you how to run your clients through it and also how to use the process on yourself. 
So the reason I did that though was that gave me a three month lead time to go, I'm going to workshop the heck out of this. And I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm not just going to dismiss it and play the game of that doesn't work. Instead, right. I'm going to switch it to the conversation of how do I make that work better? And I tell you, the nice result is by really driving myself to go, okay, from an evolutionary standpoint, this is a part of our profession that people use, yet something's missing for me. I'm going to find it. And right. by doing that, it's now it, yeah. it's now an indisposable part of my process these days. Yes. And, and you know, just it's the same thing as working with groups. Groups is a big part of, of, of financial um, freedom uh, in that, you know, it brings in extra income working with a group instead of just working one at a time. And um, go ahead and get your feet wet. Um, and, and start with a small group. And I just love doing groups. And uh, you can start with a small group of, of five people and whatnot. And, um, don't be afraid to, to jump in and do it. I, um, the lot, I'm really excited that I have now become, um, a trainer for people who want to, uh, train others in hypnosis. So I'm going to be having my first class this year. So there's a first for me, even after all these years. Outstanding. So once again, check out uh, powerofffreedom.ca as well as canadianhypnosisconference.ca, right? Yes. Well, great, great. I will see you soon, Joanne. This has been wonderful. Thanks, Jason. Jason Lynette here once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, and thank you so much for interacting in this hypnosis profession. You know, the story goes that years ago, when I first transitioned and I went full-time in hypnosis, I was a little shocked that my local hypnosis community was not very positive, and not positive as in they were encouraging, yet there was a very negative point of view in terms of the business of the process. I was hearing statements like, it's going to be very slow your first year. No one's going to send you referrals as a new hypnotist. Maybe you shouldn't have quit your day job that quickly. And needless to say, within the first month, I had a packed office. And a few months later, I was back there at some of those hypnosis meetup groups teaching workshops on how to effectively run your business. And this is all snowballed and morphed over the years and now takes the shape of hypnotic business systems. Hypnotic business systems is Netflix for your hypnosis business. It's a streaming on-demand high-definition library of lecture videos, interactive step-by-step -step tutorials, plus some outstanding done-for-you marketing materials that you can fold into your business right away. I'll tell you that over the years, I've dropped tens of thousands of dollars going to marketing conventions. I've wasted so much money doing the crap that just didn't work and learning the lesson in the hard way. And Hypnotic Business Systems is about expediting your learning curve to give you the right strategies to jump in right away. And you're able to get started for just $47. That's right. Get started for just $47. So to learn more, head over to hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. Check out the information and join us today. Hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com.